Welcome to The Problem, a Lockwood & Co. podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. And this week we are talking about part two of part five. Part five, part two. Oh, man. Chapters 23 and 24. It's so complicated. <laughs> but it's not. We've just made it complicated on ourselves. <laughs> I, I feel like if we had talked about all of part five, we would get to this part and and like barely say anything. It's true. So it might be good that we slowed down a little bit just to appreciate these two chapters. Yeah, this might be a short episode, but like famous last words. I've left my space heater on this week. So if you can hear it in the background, that's what's happening. I'm glad it's you're cold not in here. Cold. Yeah. <laughs> so often we get to the end and I'm just like, I, I have to go. I'm so cold. <laughs> <laughs> There's plumes of breath between you yeah. and the computer. But yeah, no, please picture a pleasant fake fire behind me and my atmospheric lighting. It's oh, that's cozy. right. You have like a fireplace heater thing. Yeah, it looks like a little uh, wood-burning stove. Yeah, that's cool. So, chapter 23. Lucy and Lockwood sneak into Winkman's warehouse and watch the auction for the bone glass to begin. And Caitlin is going to try not to belabor all the points that I brought up during the TV show about how this version is so much better. These two chapters are like such a good plan and yeah. they're so well executed and it's like so Stroudian in the way that like I admire about his like quote unquote wrong writing to mm -hmm. like just give them W's all the time. They earn it though. Like I don't mean give them just like they stumble into winning, but I, I just, I feel like no one in their right minds would have gone into this without a plan. But that's what they did in the TV show. I just promised I wouldn't belabor this point, but apparently that was lies. <laughs> they just stumbled on in. Whatever. But he's not in his right mind in the show. Like, I think that's part of the the point, at least. That's fair. We probably had this exact same discussion. <laughs> but yeah. that is a fair point. But Lucy was there. George was... Anyways. So the chapter art is the drain pipe that they climb up, which I think we talked about at the end of last week's episode. So that's fun. Yeah. I wonder if drain pipes are really like this ever. I've never seen a drain pipe like this. I love it. It's good. So if you don't know what this is like that we're talking about, it, uh, I think he says at some point the drain pipe looks like a crazed toddler druid or something like it's a broken line going up the side of a building. I don't know. I, I, I can't remember ever seeing one like this, but if anywhere was going to do it, it would be London. London, yeah. Right? Because I'm sure like half of this building was built in the 1500s and half of this building was built in the 1800s and somehow a third half was built in the 1900s, you know? <laughs> Someone at some point was like, we're going to put windows here. And they were like, we're not going to move the drain pipe. It's just yeah, we're just exactly. going to move around the windows. Exactly. But they, yeah, they got... uh well, what am I trying to think of where you get scared, a jump scare at the end of the previous chapter from Flow Bones. And uh, we just go straight into like, here is Flow Bones being gross, uh, but yeah. necessary. I Right near the beginning, uh, Lucy calls her prickly and solitary. And I'm like, Lucy, <laughs> Lucy, you're, you're looking in a mirror there, my friend. Yeah. Luckily, you're about to obtain a mirror. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then she does uh, continue to insult her a lot over an entire paragraph. Yeah. This person who is putting themselves in danger to help them. 
Again with the prickly, loosely. (laughs) (laughs) Flows into it, though. She's not scared to do this. She's just like, we're doing it. Well, she's also not going in the building. I think that's a big... Yeah, she's the getaway driver, basically, to this heist. So we sort of get that there's this whole plan where Lucy and Lockwood are going to climb up the pipe and go in a window upstairs of the warehouse where the auction is taking place in because there's security downstairs, but nobody's paying attention upstairs. And the other half of the plan involves uh, Flo and George on the boat. I like that Flo tells them there's a lot of kids in there, too, because... yeah. This auction is like for, you know, stuff that is psychically charged. And so the adults have no way to like independently verify stuff. So they have to bring along kids. And I I just really like that each side of the law in this world has to exploit children to, to profit. It's like a really cool detail. And again, these are probably kids who like weren't quite good enough to get in with an agency. Yeah. Or were down on their luck enough that an agency just wouldn't take them seriously at all or have been like specifically groomed in a criminal world for this yeah yeah i feel like that's wankman's kid he probably could be an agent but he's like being raised to be this guy you know yeah i just assume not all of these people have kids or oh no yeah i don't think the clients are like rich people so if they had kids i'm sure they're not involved these are like "Quote unquote employees." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's sinister and dark, but it it is a reflection of the quote unquote legitimate world. You know. Yeah. Lucy and Lockwood climb up. Lucy is not a fan. Neither am I. My note here is just no. Yeah. When I was reading this, I was thinking like Caitlin would never do this. She'd be like, we're just, I guess we're not doing this then. If that's what oh, I have no, to do. Oh, no, I would be like, I will call Barnes right now and he can just raid the place. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally would do that. Nothing they said or did could talk. I am the George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm I, I don't even think I would let other people climb that. I'm like, why? Why? When you can just let Barnes go in. <laughs> There's a part later where Lucy, <laughs> Lucy is like, it's uh, not fair that like George is being left out and Lockwood's like, George would not do this. What are you talking about? Yeah, I actually have a note here. That's like right on the next page, right? So it's cool that we talk about that now. I feel like it's setting up what's going to happen after these chapters, but I do feel like it comes out of nowhere. In the oh, book. yeah, that she says that. Yeah. I felt like it plugged into that theme that I kind of pointed out in one of the earlier chapters that Lockwood is kind of unplugged from his emotions, but Lucy has empathy for the people and ghosts around her. So she's like kind of more plugged into George's experience. And Lockwood's like, he's just not suited to the job. And everything in life is about doing the job, Lucy. And she's like, no, he's a person, Lockwood. I I definitely think that's what Stroud is going for here. I think it comes out of nowhere in the book, though. Like, I don't think he is set up that George is feeling left out. That's fair. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Right? Like, I... Any memories that I have of him feeling left out are from the show. Yeah. So I, I I think he just put this in here so that we would buy what happens in the next part. Yeah, I think that's true. Because he really has been like there every step of the way. Yeah. I think there is a there are more than one passage in this part that feel like after the story was written, you have to go lay down the track to get to the end. Yeah. 
and and that happens a few times in these chapters. Uh, yes. Yeah, so then they put on their masks, uh, or they're in like an office. The window that they climbed in is in like an old derelict office. Uh, they put on their masks. They go out and sort of hide in the shadows. And I'll say wait. that mm-hmm. when when they put on their masks, it's one of the most highlighted things in the book. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe because it's so COVID coded. But it, it just says they were hot, itchy, and hard to see out of. Plus, the wool covered our mouths and made it difficult to speak. Aside from that, it was a joy to wear them. <laughs> see, I have a different experience with COVID masks. Um, because, like, COVID is always worse during the cold months. That's sort of how I think of COVID. And mm. my nose is always cold <laughs> when I'm outside during, like, winter and fall and spring i guess so having this socially acceptable excuse to wear a mask everywhere to keep my nose warm fabulous it was wonderful (laughs) it's so good (laughs) like i would go for walks like in the heat of 2020 like in the deep you know when it was super bad out there and i would just be like yeah i'm in my mask my face is warm everything's great (laughs) this is not a problem it was probably like the best year and a half of my life in terms of my allergies and getting sick and all those it was like much much better to wear a mask all the time so i'm not i'm pro mask it is a little bit uncomfortable like i have a manual labor job and we had to wear masks in the warehouse in the hot humid weather and there's no air conditioning in a warehouse and uh yeah you'd be all sweaty and stuff and that was kind of unpleasant (laughs) like what they describe here yeah, that's fair. I never had to work in an office w- wearing a mask. Or if I did, it was when uh, the office was 90% empty. So I only had to wear the mask when I was like up from my desk walking around. Mm-hmm. I wasn't stuck wearing a mask for eight hours like some people were. So my experience is different from people. I The other thing that I liked here was like <laughs> earlier in the book, you were like, why is George wearing a wool hat? And it's like oh, yeah. summertime. And and then it kind of gets acknowledged here that like they're they have to wear these wool uh, balaclavas and they are hot and itchy and uncomfortable. I think they call them ski masks in our version. They don't call them. They never use the word balaclava, which was the original king's English. I don't know what to call it. The original <laughs> English English. Yeah. <laughs> the Anglosphere the, is weird. Yeah. The King's English. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, these were written in the past, so the Queen's English. That's true. You're right. But yes, they they do go up into the shadows instead of going down into the crowd. So this continues to be a really smart plan. Mm -hmm. And they are waiting for a signal from George, which means we get to see the beginning of the auction. And we get to see what type of people are there and how Winkman runs the thing. And it is him selling stuff to high class people, high class, rich folks. Yeah. No, I think that's right. There's like an upper class and a lower class. These are, there's only upper class people. Yeah. Upper class sounds better than high class. I I think it's like when we see uh, Winkman for the first time, he's got like a spotlight deal going on here. And it talks about how he has like a, gray suit and a white shirt but the collar is open he doesn't have a tie and i i just love those like i talked about this before with winkman he just always feels like a lower class guy to me like 
Oh, yeah. Details like that are really good. And you can tell that he really hates it here, that he has to, like, simper to these people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good detail. And it's, like, really subtle. But you can, like, even Lucy's, like, he keeps his smile, but his eyes do not look happy. Yep. That's good. It's good. Uh, Eventually, one of the dudes is like, can we just get to the... Can we just get to the main event? Right. And see about the mirror. And then (laughs) just before this, I think Lucy describes the mirror as being like the center of three spotlights and she can hear the buzzing again. And I just wonder who did his lighting design, you know, (laughs) who got up on the catwalk and with their wrench and moved all the. He's a showman. (laughs) He knows how to do his job. Yeah. This is where the money goes. It's like, you're like, how are they not rich? He's like spending it all on lighting effects for his <laughs> auctions. Yeah. There's a stage manager in the back calling <laughs> cues. Yeah, exactly. You got to give those high society people a what show. They want. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, everybody does agree to get to the main event. So yeah. he, so Winkman moves the show on. And this is where he calls the guy who said to move it on. He calls him my Lord. So we can assume that these are very upper class people. Yeah. I guess my initial assumption would always be that like lower class people are where all of the criminal activity is happening. And I think that like at the beginning of the book, you could even kind of assume that. I mean, we experienced Fairfax before this, but. They make it sound like relic men are all low class, like the worst scum of the earth people. And that that is like associated with poverty. And especially like when we meet Jack Carver, who seems to be starving to death besides getting stabbed in the back. Um, But what we see here is that the actual criminal element, the worst people in this whole thing are the highest class people like Fairfax. So this is like my Lord. This is like, you know, really, really rich people sitting there and like raising their canes up and being like, I bid this much and lots and lots of money here. It's not like a bunch of criminal rabble. Yeah. I, I think we talked about this either in the show or at the beginning of the book where it was like the relic men steal these things and do this crime, but only because they have these rich people willing to buy. Yeah. It's like this weird circular motion. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just really like that detail that it's like the upper class people are the source of all of the problems in the world. I'm so shocked. <laughs> but the I, there's also a moment here where Lockwood is like, I wonder who this dude is. He's the guy who was talking to Penelope Fitz at the party. There's like an older guy. And then there's another guy who's like blonde haired. And they're like, don't know who this dude is either. Yeah, I assume the two that the old guy and the blonde guy are inconsequential. The only one we care about is the one that they saw talking to Penelope. Well, that not that the older guy, though? He's like... No, no, no. He's a younger dude. Oh, okay. I thought he was kind of a fat older guy. Right. So, what I... Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. Because they didn't say they saw him talking to her in the library. They said at the party. But I feel oh. like if it was the dude in the library, they would have specified that. Right? I could be wrong. So I thought that the dude in the library and this dude were two different guys. And this was just like a 
guy that they saw talking to her at the party. Oh, no, you're right. It says something about the young man was familiar. Lockwood had been gazing at him, too. He leaned out close and mumbled something. And then there's like a joke about how they can't understand each other because of the balaclavas. And it says, yeah. we saw him talking to Penelope Fitz, remember? And yes, I remembered him. Glimpsed across the crowded room, the black tie at his neck could just be seen beneath his elegant brown coat. Yeah. So this is the same dude. Yeah. So it's not the dude from the library. Okay. Sorry about that. I w- that was confusing to me, though. So. It's confusing because the show combined them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pulls them together, yeah. Yeah, and I do not remember this guy from the party at all, even though we did those chapters last week, so. But anyway, so this guy is here, which is like, an, again, it's like indicative of that upper class. Like, we know this dude is like involved in uh, the Orpheus Society or whatever that is. No. No? Am no, I still don't. wrong? <laughs> yeah. Orpheus Society is library, dude. Oh, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, anyway. If I'm... I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think young dude they saw talking at the party. No, no, no. You're right. You're in right. In the library. Yeah. But he's he's somebody who can talk to Penelope Fitz. Yeah, exactly. kind of my point. Yes. He's involved with Fitz somehow. Right. And so, like, he's someone important enough in the world that he could do that. And then he's here at this thing, you know, trying to get this mirror. And so it just lets you know that, like, oh, the world is, like, really messed up. It wasn't just Fairfax who was like, I'm a murderer, but I became a really important guy and, like, squeaked through the system. It's like, no, the system is built for Fairfax people. Yeah, which I think we talked about a lot. During Fairfax also. So in case anybody out there was confused about where our political thoughts are. Yeah. Luckily, this, make it a little clear. This, yeah, this only happens in fiction, guys. It never happens in the yeah. real world. No one takes advantage of the young and the poor in the <laughs> real world. It just doesn't happen. Nope. We fixed that. Uh, so he shows them the mirror, but only the back of the mirror because self-preservation. <laughs> right. Uh, Literally, people have died of fright. I, I like the whole description of it. You know, it's like it's only six inches across. It's like really small. It's mm-hmm. smaller than she remembers. And it's just like it seems even more sinister to me that it's not some kind of, you know, like gloriously evil, you know, six foot tall mirror or something like that. It's just like this tiny thing yeah, that will destroy you if you look into it. And it's convenient for them to steal it in a minute. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Wingman's kid gets up there and gives a summary of how it feels and psychically. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe that. And then the other people send their children servants up. I don't know. Kidnapped associates. Yeah. And somebody mentions that there's two holes at the bottom of the bone glass and this causes Lockwood to realize that it goes on the sticks that he saw that it was a stand. Yeah. And then he says that, you know, and Lucy's like, but Carver didn't take that. Like, no, because it was still there. We know who did take it. Yeah. But so- he doesn't say who because it's Lockwood. <laughs> right. So this is what I was talking about earlier. This feels like, you know, you've figured out the ending and then you reach back and lay down track. Uh, this feels like one of those. This pays off the clue from earlier and also lets us know that, like, Carver wasn't the mastermind, obviously. Somebody else planned it and whoever that person stabbed him so right well that could be a crime of opportunity uh, even if they didn't take his oh i guess that's true but this like 
tells us that whoever the mastermind is has this stand. I think that's the important bit that you're supposed to take from this is like someone else took the stand and they'll have it and that'll be the So they had access to the coffin in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. And they didn't take the mirror with the cemetery. I can never remember which one's which. Cemetery and graveyard, there is like one is always attached to a church or something and one is not. Oh, yeah. But then this has that like chapel chapel thing. So cemetery or graveyard. Hmm. Anyways, carry on. Uh, So we learned that the starting price is 15,000 pounds, which is a lot. Uh huh. You could burn down part of a house for that, we know. (laughs) No, they're. Oh, part of it, I guess. Yeah, their fee was higher than that. Yeah. And then we get George's, we get a light out the window, which is the cue to begin. Yeah, so this is a great plan. We'll signal you ahead of time instead of like just relying on smuggling in dynamite and then being able to light it. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, okay, we're going to, you know, bum rush the stage. And and so they take off and go down there. And the ending of the chapter has like a, just a really great, Oh, yeah. Got to turn the page kind of a thing where Winkman's like, all right, let's do the starting bids. And then the nearest window just explodes in fire. Amazing. <laughs> it's so good. And then that's the end of the chapter. I continue to be sad that the show didn't do it this way. <laughs> it's cool. Um, I, w- I wanted explosions. But we move on to chapter 24. George creates a distraction that allows Lucy and Lockwood to steal the bone glass and escape the warehouse. And the chapter art is the sword with the ghost, with the sword source, the sorcy sword. <laughs> the sorcy sword. All right. So then there's lots of explosions. Yeah. He doesn't just throw one bomb. He keeps no. it coming, which is good. Which is great. And also it gives George like a roll. So again, why is he feeling left out? His role is actually quite important. Yeah, they couldn't do this without him. But also, I feel like we've spent two, almost two entire books talking about how unathletic George is. So the fact that he can aim correctly, <laughs> a mystery. <laughs> Aren't they on the ground floor? This isn't too, this isn't too crazy. He's like, he's still in the water, like on a boat. It's true. Right? Like he's not standing beside the window. We don't see the other four grenades that went wild and like just blew up in other places. We just <laughs> see because they're inside. But Lucy would never have let that slide. She'd been like, there was supposed to be more, but I guess he missed. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> which, which would feel more accurate to George and Lucy, obviously. Yeah. Uh, honestly. This is all very exciting, though. It's It's focused on... You know, we got to get in there while they're all disoriented and we got to grab the thing and we got to get out of here. And yeah, it's kind of hard to talk about because it just sort of happens. Lots of explosions. They get the mirror. Lockwood gets the mirror in the bag. But then Winkman stands up with a gun, which apparently they (laughs) didn't think would happen. There's there's (laughs) a moment where it says, still the young blonde man sat immobile, staring straight ahead while all this stuff is going on. And I was like. Wow, this guy is such a weirdo. Like, he's, he's so eerie. <laughs> I guess he was just waiting for his chance. I don't know. But then when he when Winkman's got the gun out, she starts threatening them. And Lockwood starts muttering something at Lucy. But of course, she can't understand him because of the, the mask. Mm-hmm. Jokes. Yeah, it's great. And eventually, he, like, pulls it up over his mouth and tells her to hit the, the other source, the sword. 
so that the ghost is out. And then, okay, this is the most maddening part of this whole chapter. Lucy throws her flare. It, it hits the glass surrounding the sword. The ghost attached to the sword is released. And all the adults can see it. Yeah. After we just spent all this time talking about how they needed to bring kids. It's weird. I don't understand. Yeah. Can they see it? They they shoot like right through the center of it. They yeah, they shoot right through the center directly. of it. And Winkman picked up a shard of silver glass and sent it whizzing into the ghost. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't Maddening. know. <laughs> I don't know if they can like sense its presence. Sometimes Lockwood is like, there's the ghost. It's right there. And Lucy can't really see it but she can kind of sense that i understand what you're saying here alan but the whole conceit of this whole series and why they need teenagers to do this is that the adults cannot see the ghosts yeah that's true and he underlined it he like lampshaded that in this part yeah like just a second ago i guess it makes it too easy right like the ghost would just kill all of them they would be defenseless i i hate to tell you this but jonathan stroud is a writer oh no i know yeah you know, he can come up with something else. Yeah, yeah. I think they handle or he this can make it work. in the show a little bit better. Winkman keeps his head. He's like, you know, throw silver on it. Come on. Like, get this under control. And they do get yeah, it under control. that type of quick. thing. He could have set up earlier that the guards had bags of salt and or, and or silver. Yeah. Like little yeah. pouches so that they could just chuck it. You know, th- there's answers that are not. They could clearly see the ghosts, even though I've spent two books explaining why they cannot see the ghosts. Anyways, <laughs> there's also a moment when they actually grab the bone glass and I guess Lockwood brought along Flow Bones lavender bag. Oh, yes. And he, Which he I actually like that there. because yeah. we had that good setup for it earlier. Yeah, that was well done. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that. They so they weaponize the source against him. That's a really smart, clever thing to do. It is weird that why they can see it, but it does let them get away uh, yes. And and up the stairs. So, yeah, they do panic run back, try to panic run back up to the office that they entered the building through, but they go too far up. Yep. And it's, and they can't climb down the drain pipe because they're too far up and it doesn't look stable and such. So they toss the package down to George. This is really wild to me. Why? Because, like, Lockwood is just, like, this thing is, like, so dangerous. We spent the whole book being, like, nothing is more dangerous than this mirror. And it's, like, and with the description we just got is, like, it's really fragile. It's not out of character for Lockwood or anything. He's just, like, yep, chuck it out the window. Let's go. Come on. Got to I was, like, oh, my God. I don't know. Just the father and adult and coward inside of me is like don't climb up drain pipes children don't chuck out haunted mirrors into the night and trust that your friends caught it like please be more safe yeah i wouldn't do anything i would be at home with a cup of tea i am at home with a cup of tea right yeah like right now (laughs) exactly this is this is why we have books (laughs) yeah so then they do they run up to the top floor they bolt like a door to slow Winkman down, but Winkman quickly, well, maybe it's not Winkman, maybe it's the other dude. Yeah, they somebody, don't know who's after them. Yeah, somebody shoots through it. Yep. Um, but they get up to the top floor, climb out the window onto the roof, which Lucy says is easier than climbing all the way up because she just didn't have time to think about it. Oh, I guess the first guy through is not the one from, not the one who ends up on the roof with them because mm-hmm. the first guy through the window... <laughs> 
uh, he somebody climbs through the window while Lockwood is still climbing up the drain pipe. And I guess there's a bit of a struggle, but all Lucy hears is a yell. And anyways, Lockwood murdered a guy. Yeah. Um, but he's really very upset about losing his rapier. And I was wondering if that could be traced back to him. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I, 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 my murder thing, like it was self-defense. That's fine. I'm not saying he murdered a guy, but he did kill a guy. Yeah. And it's just brushed away, never thought of again. So, yay, somebody died. Nobody cares. Let's move on. They get to the roof, but so does the dude that they saw speaking to Penelope Fitz at the party, who is not the dude from the not library. Not the library guy. Not the library guy. Yeah. So confusing to me. <laughs> And that dude's like, give me the mirror and I'll let you live. And Lockwood's like, too bad. We chucked it. Yeah. yeah. She didn't know. I'm a hero. I do crazy shit. Um, Yep. He calls it a spirit glass, which I really, really like, instead of the bone glass. And Mm. I feel like it's, it's like a whole, he's like, he knows what this thing is in some kind of like categorical sense of like we have our own taxonomy for it we understand what these things are in a way that like all the other people involved in this whole thing don't know what that thing is so that he doesn't call it a bone glass is like significant to me he says that spirit glass is something special and i had my heart set on it yeah that's that's a good point it sort of shows that he came about knowing exactly what it is through different avenues. Mm -hmm. But then Lucy and Lockwood realize that there is only one option, and it is the them option, (laughs) jumping out of the building. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, They have really good banter about that. You know, like, we make such a habit of doing this. He's like, it's the last time. And she's like, promise? I do think it is. I don't remember them jumping out of any other buildings through the next three books. I feel like so like much worse things than this happen. Like this is the most safe thing that might happen <laughs> on a getaway compared to what comes after this. Hmm. So, so this is they love wild escapes. This is being young and in love. This is what you do. You jump <laughs> off buildings. I had a different sort of youth. <laughs> Oh, so then we get this description of what it was like to hit the water. Have you ever jumped high into water? N- uh, I mean, not this high. Uh, no. I've never like j- done cliff diving or anything like that. I'm trying to remember. I don't even think I've done a high jump in a Olympic pool. Like I've been to a pool where you could do it, and I was like, nah, not doing that. I have. Yeah? I think I've done, I've definitely done 10 feet. I may have done 20. I was fearless about water when I was a kid. Yeah. Water never, like any jumping into water never bothered me. Uh, But I also have one time been thrown off the back of a jet ski. Ooh. And that is actually very similar to what he describes here. Like just not knowing what was up and what was down. And the water's just everywhere. And you're like, um. (laughs) I I don't even remember if I had a life jacket on. So really miracle that I survived. Yeah, I've done that with like water skiing and I've crashed. Mm. And it was, yeah, that's a similar experience. I always wanted to get to the bottom and then push up real hard. Yep. I always liked that. So, yeah, I, I thought this was really, really well written. Yeah, like, me too. All the way around. It's Yeah, it is the experience of crashing into water for sure. This is just, I'm in the blackness without thought, without emotion, without much attachment to life or living things. 
Then the current tore me up and sideways, and in a flurry of panic, I recalled my life and name. I was like, ooh, that's good. That is good. I didn't have that when I was thrown off the jet ski. I had, oh my God, I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> so don't let this be the way I die. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the TV show, how there's that part with Annabelle Ward yes. and they're yeah. floating in the water. It's really good. It is. It is good. It is much more evocative than when something similar happens in real life. <laughs> panic, panic, panic. Yeah. 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 And that's it. Yep, they they come up to the surface and it sounds gross. There's oily. Yeah, I wouldn't want to jump in the Thames. Yeah, it's bad. And then she looks up at the building and the she can see the guy up there as a little person standing on top of the roof. And she's like, bye, sucker. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't say that, but in my head she did. They get away with it. And then that is the, the end of this and uh, the beginning of the final part through the looking glass. I, I get the allusion to good old Alice there, but also um, they don't they don't go through the looking glass. Oh true. You it's know a they false promise. They, they don't even look at it. They kinda kinda destroy it. Oh man, spoilers. I know, I'm sorry. I feel like the the general we never talked about it at all, but like the general idea is that you have read the book when you're listening to us or like know the story at least, especially because of the show. So, I mean, like, we have gotten at least one communication from a listener who's like, who has said that our our show has inspired them to read the book. So I hope they read ahead because otherwise we have <laughs> spoiled some things for you. My yeah. apologies. But generally speaking, we do assume that anybody listening has read the books because why would you be listening otherwise? <laughs> I would I would understand if you don't read all the books when, when you read along. But I would assume that like, don't I listen don't. if you haven't read the book that we're talking about. We've talked about some book three stuff. so Yeah, a little bit. I have guilt sometimes, but like not enough to change my ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. You, Yeah, you love to talk about the future. That's You've always been like that on books. <laughs> it's terrible, but sometimes you gotta to make your point. Yep. Like I try to be respectful, but I've never understood why people care so much about spoilers. Because if it's a good story, it doesn't matter. Oh, no, I agree with that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like if, if the only reason you're watching a story is because you don't know what's going to, like, the good guys are going to win nine times out of ten. Or yeah. if it's artsy, then the good guys are not going to win. Like, <laughs> if it's artsy. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> like That's those good. are your two options. Yeah, it's really true. Yeah, it's not the shape of things that is the point of the story. It's like all the details. It's the journey. That's why I'm really bad about finishing stuff because I really don't care about endings. Hmm. I'm just all about that middle bit. And I usually, usually the last part of whatever story is my least favorite part. That's interesting. I'm like the opposite because like I need to know the ending. Like I love reading the final page of a book before I've gotten there. Like I usually get a good chunk in and if I like the story I read the final page or two and I for me personally it enhances the story for me because then I'm always looking for how we get there yeah I guess that's kind of what I mean like I I'm not against you know getting to the end but after I've been to the ending it's not the thing that I return to when I right gotcha like gotcha. I'm always more about I'll say the only maybe one of the biggest exceptions we talked about his dark materials and I think that third book is like probably the best one 
out of that first trilogy. But it uh, definitely is. But yeah. like you could also tell that that was what he was aiming for in those yeah, books. Yeah, it's a different animal. Like he's yeah. a really crazy good writer. Anyway, we're talking about Jonathan Stroud's books and uh Well, I mean it was a short episode. We can yeah. have a tangent here at the end. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be moving into the last part next time and we'll be splitting that one up again into uh there's six chapters so two groups of three uh favorite joke uh, oh mine was the balaclava so good how it kept coming up like the not being able to talk thing it's definitely the running yeah. joke in these two chapters i don't know that there's any other jokes at all really um, oh yeah that's true well i mean she makes fun of flow at the beginning at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's actually pretty much our two options yeah i yeah, the balaclava is the better joke. There are so many punk rock moments. Um, I really feel like I got to give it to George again for like just blowing. He's like not good enough to blow out the pane of a window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gonna blow out the windows. Mm, I like, <sighs> you know, I would say that I like releasing the ghosts on the adults if Stroud didn't immediately backtrack on his whole world building. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be my favorite. Um, but otherwise, I got to say jumping in the Thames, I guess. I, I just love it. That's true. I think that's what we picked in the show. Yeah, it's just great. You know, well, that's because they took out all the good explosions in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the, you know the poetic way he describes it i love lucy being like can we never do this again <laughs> you know like before they go and do it yeah it's not it's after yeah it's not, never do that again it's like oh god i can't believe we're gonna do this again yeah it's good i like it uh, and their banter yeah their banter is great well i guess that does it yeah i guess that is all for this week if you want to disagree with how upset I am about the world building backtrack, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Lockwood Podcast, or you can find my personal Twitter at Inferior Caitlin. You can send us angry emails at contact hollowedgroundmedia.com. No one's ever done that. Uh, it's fine. But you could. But you could. Or you can go to the homepage, hollowedgroundmedia.com, and scroll down to the contact form. Go to hologramedia.com slash contact. And remember to stick to your world building. Otherwise, you upset Caitlin. <laughs>